الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وبارك وسلم تسليما كثيرا إلى يوم الدين أما بعد قال الله تعالى في القرآن المجيد والفرقان الحميد يا أيها الذين آمنوا من يرتد منكم عن دينه فسوف يأتي الله بقوم يحبهم ويحبونه أذلة على المؤمنين أعزة على الكافرين يجاهدون في سبيل الله ولا يخافون لوم تلائم وقال تعالى ومن الناس من يتخذ من دون الله أندادا يحبونهم كحب الله والذين آمنوا أشد حبا لله صدق الله العظيم So we're talking about uh, the love of Allah Now I know it's Sunday evening right? It's been a busy week But I'm going to need some interaction from you. I'm going to ask you some questions and I want some answers. Okay, what's your name, little boy? Ibrahim. And you? Ibrahim and Ammar. Okay, good stuff. And what's your name? Zakaria. So I'm going to need some interaction from you. Firstly, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about in the Quran, Allah, uh, the verses that I read, it says that there are people who adopt gods besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So every human being, it's inherent, built into our system to submit to something, to glorify something, and to consider something to be, to be something that you uh, would submit to. If it's not God, then they submit to money, they submit to football maybe even, right? And do crazy things. It's what are you going to do crazy? Some people submit to apple. Not to an apple, but to apple. So they will, if you can stand outside a store, I, don't, I think people have stopped doing that now because there's no more innovation anymore, right? But if you can stand outside a whole night to get... Just the first phone, even though you can get it a few days later, then mashallah, you really think that that is something very, very important for you. So that's what people submit to things. Now, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that there are people who adopt and take besides Allah gods and they love them. This is the interesting part. They love them, they express love for them as you could only express for Allah. What does that mean? Love is a very important idea. Okay, so we're going to need to understand love. Then Allah says, those people who believe, they are most intense and strongest in their love for Allah. So we're going to try to understand this. Alright? So, just stay with me. So the first question is, the way Allah describes the people who believe, people who have iman, mu'min, are people who love Allah most intensely and strongly. If you love Allah most intensely and strongly, then you're willing to do anything for, for Allah. Because love is one of those things that if you love something, you're willing to make every sacrifice for that thing. Otherwise, it's not really pure love. Love, they say, is the only emotion that when you have it properly, you will be in your most selfless state. You won't be selfish anymore. 
for your beloved you're willing to sacrifice everything of yours your time your money your happiness just to make them happy the love is the only one that extends you out like that and makes you forget yourself love is the only emotion that can do that for you unless you do it for another reason which you know you're doing it for that reason right this is the thing where it forces you to do that so now Allah says that the people who believe that's how they are with Allah is that true is this verse correct do you think Muslims, mu'mineen, do you think they are most intense in their love for Allah compared to everything else? Do you think that's the case? How many of you think that's the case? You think that's the case? Okay, only one person. Two people. You don't, don't be ashamed. I mean, come on. I mean, I'm not taking an exam, but uh, please feel free to, to speak. Keith Lee can't be so... Um, come on, don't, don't let Keith Lee down. Anybody else think that? So you think that's the case that the, every believer is most intense in their love for Allah? I wish that was the case. Right? We'd have no problems. If they were mostly in love with Allah, then everything would be so perfect. But that is where Allah wants us to be. Now the question I'm going to ask, another question, is how many of us have ever in their life, in a moment of being alone, said to Allah, Ya Allah, I love you. Oh Allah, I love you. How many of us have ever said that? That's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. MashaAllah, not bad. Love is not a bad word. It's not only, it's not only reserved for girlfriends and boyfriends. Okay? We're talking about pure love here. However, out of, I don't know, 50, 100 people, only 10 people have said that. But the verse is saying that the people who believe they are most intense in their love for Allah, I can't see the sisters, but I'm assuming it's a similar, you know, similar kind of proportion. So now what, what we want to get to the bottom of today is how can we become most in love with Allah? What would that mean? How we attain that? And... What do we get for doing that? That's what we want to go. Uh, we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to help us. How do we become like that? Many, uh, we are at different stages of life. Before we die, hopefully this verse is true for us. That I am one of those. That we can easily say, Ya Allah, I love you. Right? There was a woman, Hassan Basri, rahmatullahi, one great walis of Allah, friends of Allah. He's going around the Kaaba in Tawaf. And he sees this young woman and she's, she's going through some love poetry. Right? There's love poetry. She's calling out to her beloved. I love you so much, this, that and the other. And you know what he did? He got angry on her. He said that why in this pure place around the Kaaba, you are thinking of your beloved. He thought he's talking about some boyfriend or something. Or her husband. You're in front of Allah's house and you're thinking of your boyfriend or your husband. And she turned around, she got very angry and she said, do you know who I'm talking to? I'm talking to Allah. She was actually talking to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. She was expressing her love at his house. What else are you going to do? You know when people go around the Kaaba, why do you do that in Hajj? Have you ever thought, is it because you're so unfit? Okay, at least come here and do some exercise. Go around seven times. 
Is that why you do tawaf around the Kaaba? Why do you do it? What's the purpose of going around the Kaaba? You don't, do you get anything out of that? The purpose is that when you love something, have you noticed that when you love something, you want to be as close to it as possible? You want to be with it. You're always thinking about it. If you genuinely love something, you want to be with it. When you love something, you ultimately want to hug that person if you love them. It's just human emotion. Humans are like that. When they love something, they want to hug them. You want to hug your parents. Husbands want to hug their wives. Wives want to hug their husbands. You want to hug your children. Anybody you love, a good friend, you want to hug them. That's what we do. You shake hands and if you really want to show your love, then you hug them. That's what you do. Uh, people, they kiss when they love somebody. Right? I mean... You kiss them on the forehead, you kiss them uh, you know, on, the, on the cheek, you kiss them on the lid. It just depends on who it is. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us the ability to go around his house. He doesn't live in the house, but it's dedicated to him. So we worship Allah here. We fast for him. We do salat for him in the masjids. But ultimately, every mu'min, every believer, because they love Allah, or they should love Allah, they eventually want to go to his house, the Kaaba. He doesn't live there, but because it's his special house. This is also a house of Allah, but that's his special house. So they go there because he can't go inside. And even if you go inside, that's not the purpose of it. You go around it. For example, you may, you may or may not have experienced this, that when you love something, let's just say that somebody you love lives in a particular area. You're going past through that area. What will you think about? Let's say that somebody lives in a town on the motorway, on the M1, and you're going past and you see the name of that town. Who are you going to think of? You're going to think of that person, right? It just reminds you everything. So some people, if they can't get to their beloved, they'll at least go to their, uh, near their house and walk around it. Uh, at least I'm close to their house. Let me just touch the wall of that house. You understand? I can't get to her, but let me at least touch her wall. Even that's good enough. And there's some, mashallah, some lovers, they look at the moon and they imagine that their lover is looking at the moon and their gazes are going to meet in the moon, at the moon. And they're looking at the moon and they think, my lover must be looking at the moon as well and it gives them happiness. Love is a crazy idea. Right? Love is a very powerful idea. Okay? So, that's why we go there and Allah says, go around my house out of love for me. Otherwise, why else would you do it? Take off your garments, put on these special ihram garments for men. For women, they put on their simple ihram garments as well. You know, in whichever, however they want to dress with that. And you go around the house of Allah thinking, I am going around your house. It is not to get fit. The purpose is the love of Allah. And if you get lucky and you really want to go close and you want to hug something because you love Allah, you can't, you can't hug Allah. Because he is beyond all of that. Allah has given us that. The Prophet ﷺ showed us. He went to the Multazam. You know what the Multazam is? You know the place between the black stone and the door of the Kaaba where the police is usually standing. That part is called the Multazam. The Prophet ﷺ went there, put his chest to it, literally like hugging the place, and his cheek, and he cried to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala praying to him. That is a place where your du'as will be accepted for sure. That's what you can go and do down there. Allah has given us 
the Sharia has given us these abilities to do that. And if you want to do some more, get to the black stone if you're lucky and you can kiss it. You can't kiss Allah in that way, but at least He's given us something to kiss. Because that's human emotion. This is what humans do. Throughout history, humans like to hug and kiss to express their love and affection. You can't do that with Allah. He's given us something to replace it. It's Hajj is a journey of love. If you don't understand it, you'll go for Hajj. Your Hajj will be counted as you've done Hajj, but you may have not connected yourself to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The purpose of Hajj is to actually get close to Allah. May Allah make our Hajj like that. Our next Hajj like that, may Allah make our past Hajj like that as well. Right now, let us understand something. We can't get this right unless you understand what love is. So now I'm going to ask you, what does love mean? Somebody in Keithley, please describe love for me. Define love for me. What does love mean? I want a definition of love. Go ahead. Mahabbat ki kya tarif hai? If that makes more sense to you. What is the definition of love? Yeah. Something that forces you. That's the output and consequence of it. It's not the definition as well. But thank you very much. All these non-Keithley non people as well. Preston and... Uh, Manchester. Alright. Come on. What does love mean? Definition of love. Yes. Again, Lancashire is not from Keithley either. Sorry? Completely selfless. It makes you... It's an output. It's a consequence of it again. It's, uh, that, that's what love does to you. It makes you selfless. So it's an output. It's a fruit of it. It's not love itself. Okay. Just to move on the, the night... Uh, Keithley people, anybody? Otherwise, I'll have somebody from Preston. I just noticed somebody from Preston. They'll answer. Anybody else? Yes, bye. Allahu Akbar. Go on. Yeah. When you love somebody, mashallah. Are you from Keithley? Oh, man. Mali Saab, kya ho man? Okay. Simple. Love is a. An, uh, love means to. Uh, listen. To incline. And then it has more stages, but incline towards beauty. It's getting a bit more complicated, but please bear with me, right? Stay with me. Love means to incline towards beauty. Okay. Uh, this isn't easy yet. Inclining towards beauty. What does beauty mean? We have to figure out what beauty means to understand what love means. So somebody define for me beauty. Yes, that, 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 you're just saying Allah's creation is beautiful, right? That's what you're saying, but that's just an example of beauty. I want to know what beauty is defined as. Yes, we're getting somewhere, we're getting somewhere. We just need a bit more, mashallah. Uh, it's, what is beauty? How do you define something as beautiful? What is beautiful? How, why do you say something is beautiful? Yes. Yeah, that's a bit subjective sometimes. You know, criminals... They would look at something ugly, right? The dung beetle will look at dung and say, that's beautiful. But that's not what the majority of the... Beauty, it has to be defined by something what the majority of people will think. Yes, go ahead. Something perfect. Mashallah, we're getting somewhere. But what is perfection? Right? Yes. Only Allah is perfect. So that's an example, mashallah, of the beauty. Okay. Beauty, sorry, inclination towards, we're getting somewhere. So beauty means perfection, balance. The real word is balance, 
proportion, equilibrium, sorry, these are a bit weird terms for some of you, but uh, some of our younger ones, equilibrium, balance. I'll give you an example. Why do you buy a certain phone over another one? Because of its balance, its sleekness, right? The way it looks, its shape, its size, its weight, what it does, it has balance in all of those things. Why do you call somebody beautiful? Oh, he is so beautiful. She is stunningly beautiful. Why? Because of the features. Internationally, throughout most uh, ethnicities and backgrounds and cultures, there is an understanding of beauty that is uniform among everybody. Whether you are Chinese, Oriental, Indian, African, Caucasian, there is a certain type of a person, right? who is going to be considered beautiful in all of those cultures. It's exactly how, where is the nose as compared to where is the, the lips, where the lips are, where the nose is, exactly how much distant is the eyes, the cheekbones, all of that. In every culture, they think it's the same. What well, everybody would agree. Yes, there will be some people who will think a certain individual who the majority would not consider beautiful, they'll call them it. But that's subjective beauty. But what real beauty is, the balance in anything and everything. In architecture, there's a balance. That's why anybody looking at that will like it, will appreciate it. There's a balance in everything that Allah has created. That is beauty. Proportionate, uh, uh, something being proportionate and equilibrium. So, it, sorry, it has gotten a bit complicated. I'll, be, I'll make it easy again. Okay? So that's the first thing. Love is an inclination towards that. Love in an, now, what is love exactly is an inclination towards beauty, right? How does it work? In The Arabs have this so refined that they have at least 27 or 28 names and words for the different stages of love. This is amazing. What do you mean stages of love? This is how love works. Something is beautiful. It's been there. You see it. You see many things, don't you? You see that and you're like, hmm, I noticed that. Let's just say there's 10 cars and you notice one of them and they stick in your mind. Why would they stick in your mind? Right? So you notice it. Then next stage you appreciate it. Hmm, that's nice. You appreciate it. You start liking it. You become inclined towards it. You want it. You want it. Everything else becomes pale in your sight. You only want that one now. You become obsessed with it. Can you see the different stages? It starts off with noticing it and then it just moves on. Then it blinds everything. So love blinds and deafens you from everything else and it also deafens you and blinds you from its own defects. Okay? So that's what love is. The stages of love and, the, and Allah in the Quran has mentioned multiple words representing these different stages of love. That's what's amazing. It's really amazing. I don't have time to go into all that detail right now. It could get a bit boring for some people. But what I want to move on to, to say now is that have you ever intended of buying a car? So, I'll give you an example. I was look, you know when um, in London, now they got in Birmingham as well, you had to get rid of your diesel cars beyond a certain age and petrol cars beyond a certain age because otherwise they were going to start charging you. They have to be U-less compliant 
they were going to start charging you 10, 12 pounds a day if you carried on with those cars. So I had to get rid of and find a new car. I hate buying new cars because it's, it just takes too long. All right? So now I'm looking for a new car and there were two that I identified within my price range. These two, they're good. They're seven-seaters and so on. I didn't know any of others. So I hadn't noticed anything else. I wasn't sure about these two either. Then somebody told me, oh, there's this third company, which I would have thought would have been too expensive for me, but I saw that it was actually a very similar price. So I noticed it. Then after that, I wasn't inclined towards it. I just noticed it. A friend's friend had one, so I went to see it. I took a test drive. I found out all of its features and its gimmicks and specs. And now I started liking it. So now slowly, slowly, I said, I don't want the other two. I want this one. Can you see how I'm now uh, moving away from the others? I want this one. Do you know what happened then? I go out on the streets and I suddenly start seeing them everywhere. They didn't exist yesterday. There were none on the streets. I never noticed that particular model. Suddenly, they're everywhere. All sorts of colors. MashaAllah, you know the company, they found out I want it now. They, start, they, just, pulled them, uh, they just pushed them out on the street. Is that what happened? That happens with a lot of products. You decide, I want that phone, suddenly everybody has that phone. Or you notice it at least. That's what love does. When you want something, it blinds you to other things, and then you see it everywhere. That is the reason why we can't see Allah's effects everywhere, is because we don't really know Him. We don't know Him enough. We've not become inclined to Him. We've not chosen Him. We've not been blinded to other things. That's why we don't notice Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's a simple reason why we cannot be that the people who are most in, uh, believers are the most in, intense in their love for Allah. Right? So when you start loving, now, I, uh, just something relevant here, right? Have you, have you ever experienced where you became emotionally attached to something? You thought you loved something, but you can't have it. So you feel really bad and you're trying to want that thing, but you can't have it. It could be a toy, it could be a house, it could be for guys, it could be a girl, for a, for a woman, it could be a man. You know, there's somebody, but it's not going to work for you. Have you noticed that? Sometimes you emotionally attach. So I've got a friend who's got a PhD in love. He's an expert in love. He's got a book called Love in the Holy Quran. All right? I asked him, I said, look, we're dealing with this all the time where we've got people who are fall for something, someone, they can't have them because maybe it's different cultures or maybe she's somebody else's already or whatever it is. How do you deal with that? Yeah, I asked him, how does somebody who's attached to something but can't have it, how do you detach yourself? You know what he told me? He said that you think of the bad points and the bad qualities or the, bad, the defects of that thing and that will detach you. Subhanallah. What does that mean? Now remember, everything in this world has good qualities and bad qualities. Every one of us here, every single individual, and if we recognize this, we are successful. If we don't recognize this, we're a failure and a loser in this world. The losers in this world don't recognize this. That's all it is. Okay? Everybody in this world, Allah, every human being, Allah creates with a set of qualities and a set of challenges. Just take a family of three, four, five children. Take a family of three children. Same parents, right? Same parents, same food, 
same nurture, same upbringing. One of them is going to be a bit sharper than the other one. One of them is more generous than the other one. One will share his last sweet and the other one will not. Would you share your last sweet? Just be honest. You're not sure. What about you? No. Alhamdulillah, thanks for being honest. What about you? Would you share your last sweet? No. What about you? No. Come on, give me a generous person, man. MashaAllah, Jazakallah khair. Right? Just naturally. Some people, MashaAllah, they're very clever, but they're stingy. Some people are laid back. Some people get angry faster. And they're all brothers and sisters. One gets more angry than the other one. That's a set of qualities and a set of challenges. And our job, the people who are successful in this world have found their qualities and they've used them to make money, to live in this world, to deal with matters, to get to the top, to get to... How many people here consider themselves successful to a certain degree? Alhamdulillah, thank you very much. One, two. Only two people consider themselves successful. Three. I mean, I do. I don't mean become Bill Gates. Right? Or Steve Jobs. I don't mean that. I mean successful in the sense that you've got a family, you're looking after yourself, got a decent job or business, you've got a house, you're getting on in life. Come on, man. How many of you are successful? Thank Allah if you are. Don't, don't be... Because the only opposite of that is losers. Okay. Right. How many of you are losers then? I mean, I would have expected everyone to put their hand up. The, 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 those who are successful are those who find their qualities and use them. But you need one more. You have to find your defects as well and control them. If you're a person who gets angry a lot, you're probably messing up with your partners, with your, with your spouse or whatever. If you're stingy, you are causing issues and so on. And we have to teach our children the same. Uh, we have to find in our children what each of their qualities are and help them recognize that and use that. Find out what their weakness is and help them overcome that. Now, what was his advice? Think of the bad qualities. You don't have to go and tell them about it and criticize them. You just have to think of them for yourself. Oh, she's like that. She's like this. She's... So you'll slowly start detaching. I'll give you an example of where I use this. I was looking for, to buy a house. And finally, I found a house that, mashallah, seemed to tick a lot of boxes. The best in the price range I could find, right? So I fell in love with it. I noticed it. I became inclined to it. I became obsessed with it, which was a big mistake. Don't ever become obsessed. It was a big mistake. It was all done. The deal was nearly done. He agreed, the seller. I started, uh, you know, you have to do some searches and you have to stop paying some money to get the ball rolling and the paperwork. So I started doing that. Suddenly I get a call from him a week or, a week or two later. He said, I'm really sorry, but my estate agent is telling me that there's another offer that had come in for 20,000 pounds more and uh, he's going to have to, you know, and basically he's trying to tell me, you still want it, give me more than 20,000. I said, I can't do that. I can't play like that. I don't have that kind of money, you know. So I lost it and I felt really bad. Right? Now, I started looking again. Two months, found another house that was the best I could find again. Not as good as this one, right? But it was the best I could find. I've lost that one, so let me not cry over that. Let me find another house. Now, what happens in this case is that there were a lot of good qualities, but I focused on the negatives. It had a small front passage. In my view, it had a small, and I was like, yes, it's got a small front passage, but it's fine. I can deal with it. It's got all of these other... Because you take 
dominant qualities over some defects, but I kept the defects in mind. This time I was the highest bidder. I made a, we made the offer on a Thursday, I think. Expect to get an answer on a Friday, but no answer. And then on Monday said, please give us some days. This was a family who'd been living there for 40, 50 years. They were finding it difficult to move out. So Monday, Tuesday, finally on Wednesday, you know what happened? They said, I was the highest bidder this time. We said, sorry, the owner has decided not to sell anymore. And you know what? This time it was much easier. I said, it's all right. It's got a small passage. It's okay. You understand? You manage your emotions like that. Don't get obsessed with anything but Allah. Alhamdulillah, then the first one came back. The first house came back. That was the reason for this. This, the, this, the, the first house came back because the other person that offered 20 started causing him issues. He got very angry with them or upset with them. Came back to me. I said, okay, I'll buy it. But at the original price, I'm not going to give you. He said, fine. He knew that was a serious buyer. Alhamdulillah, I got that one. The point is that are you in love with somebody you can't have? Start thinking of their defects. Don't go and tell them that. Just start thinking she's like that, she's like this and so on. And then you'll see that it'll be easier for you to detach. In the first place, don't even get emotionally attached to something that you can't have anyway. That's the wrong thing to do. So that's love. Okay, another aspect before we get back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's discussion, another aspect. Since we've got a lot of young people here as well. You want to get married. So, you find somebody that dresses very well. And you think, I love her. That's it. I want her as my wife. I'm talking, because I've got men in front of me, I'm talking from a man's perspective, but the same thing applies for the sisters, right? So, you think, that's who I want. Look how she dresses. Or, it may not be her dress way. Maybe it's, she's beautiful. Because dressing well is also beauty, isn't it? Right? Or it's maybe the way she looks. Or maybe it's how much money he has. That's the attractive feature. I want to get married to him. Do you know that there's, in some of our cultures, they think, they don't know what marriage means in love. Sorry, they don't know what love means in marriage. So you know what their criteria is? At least you got the money. Sorry. Basically, because they don't understand the concept of love in marriage, because they just do marriage because it's a cultural thing and to have children, because you have to do it, stop people from saying why you're married. They say, at least then just find somebody with money, at least you'll be, you'll, you'll, you'll be well off then. Right? Separate issue. What I'm trying to say is, what exactly is love? Love is an inclination towards the good qualities in something because they've got balanced qualities, right? What usually happens sometimes I might like the shape of this bottle and I might, when you've got five bottles of water companies, which one are you going to pick if you, know, uh, you go to a foreign country? I'm probably going to pick the one that has the decent price, a balanced price and the way it looks. Then I taste it and I was like, man, this. Then I tasted the other one that was better. You look for things, right? Qualities. Now, do you ever buy a phone just because of the way it looks? What do you buy a phone for? What else do you look at? You look at the features. Battery life, uh, processor, screen, etc., etc. You look for a package of qualities. That's what I'm trying to say. 
You look for a package of qualities, right? You're looking for a car. Do you just buy a car because it's an Aston Martin? That's not what you're supposed to do because they keep breaking down. So he's got one quality, he's got a name, so you buy it because of that. And then you find out, hey, that's not the purpose of having a car just because it looks nice. So now let's think of it this way. A guy marries a girl because of the way she looks. That's all he's figured out. I want the most stunning. Okay, fine. Okay, so now you get married. So what you do is you take this girl and you put her on a, on a platform, a stage in your front room and you just look at her 24 hours a day because that's what I bought her for. Is that why you get married to somebody? Because of the way they look so that you can just look at them all day? What do you need then? You need a package of qualities. She got married to him because he's got money. Nothing else. He's ugly, for example, to her at least. He may not be ugly, but to her he is. Just the money makes him. You have to look, when you, when you want to love something, get a package of qualities, not just one quality. You understand? You look for package of qualities. Now, let's go back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah and His Messenger are the only entities in this world who don't have any defects. They don't have any defects. Or they've only got qualities. Only Allah and His Prophet, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa they're the only perfect beings, meaning only prophets and God. They're the only ones who are perfect, they have no defects. Now, what does that mean? Remember, love is an inclination towards good qualities and a balance of qualities, which means that when the way, the reason I bought that car is I learned about it and I learned its qualities. So that's why I became inclined towards it. If I can learn about the qualities of Allah, I, can, or I will have to become inclined to Allah. There's nothing because that's what humans do. They become inclined to qualities. They, don't, they can't help it. And there are no defects, so you can't even extract yourself. You can't, there's nothing with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to push you away. Everything is beautiful. That's why the awliya of Allah, the, 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 the true lovers of Allah, they are head over heels in love with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because they've learned about Allah. Now, how do we learn about Allah so that we can love Him? How do we become the believers who are going to be most intense in their love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? That's what we want to find out today. First thing is just the way I found out about the car is I researched. When you're looking for something, what do you do? You do reviews, right? You look at reviews. What do other people say about it? Have you ever gone and looked for reviews of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Have you ever checked on Google? Allah, you know, give me some reviews. Have you ever done that? Where are you going to find reviews of Allah? Sorry? In the lovers of Allah, see what they say. Those people who really, the awliya, the friends of Allah, right? You're going to find out what it really means. That's the only way you're going to find out. You want to go to paradise. Have you ever read reviews about paradise? Or are you like that guy from India, Pakistan, Bangladesh or whatever? He just wants to come to London. He wants to come to London. I don't care where, where do you want to go in London? You know what? Put me on a seashore somewhere. Just get me onto the, onto the coast of London. That's all I want to be. England is London for them. Anyway. They call the whole thing London. Right? Just parachute me down anywhere. I don't care. I just want to be in London. I want to get out of this hellhole. They say. 
Is that our approach to paradise? It doesn't want to be in paradise. I don't care what it looks like. Do you know that there's multiple layers of paradise? Multiple types of paradise. Our approach to our faith is not detailed. It's too general. We believe in it, but we don't really have the details. And that's why we're weak in our faith. Ultimately, isn't that why we're weak in our faith? Why can we be distracted by Facebook and TikTok and all of these things and let namaz be missed and salat be missed? Because we don't love that enough and we love this more. You're, we're occupied with whatever we're most in love with and what we're most inclined to. The, and the thing is that the, 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 the solution to this is very easy. Just learn more about Allah. Because if you learn more about Allah, you'll get hooked. There's no way you can't be. Non-Muslims have started reading the Quran. And they just fell in love with Allah that, wow, who is this individual? Look what he talks about. He talks so much sense. Talks directly, speaks directly to my heart. Makes a lot of sense. Okay. Now I'm going to just speak about the four ways of getting to know Allah. There's multiple ways, but four ways of getting to know Allah is very simple. Number one, get a translation of the Quran for those of us who are not Arab, who don't understand Arabic, right? And start reading Allah's words. If you want to know Allah, He is most alive in the Quran. What I mean by most alive in the Quran is you can see Him. You can really see who Allah is because He's speaking. He tells you who He is. He describes Himself. He describes what he wants. He describes what he does. He describes what he loves, what he hates, what he gets angry on, what he, uh, how he rewards. He describes events of how he dealt with the past people, how he gave them. He's, he tells us what he's prepared in the future for those who do good, for those who do bad. And he describes Sami'un, Alimun, Qadirun, Muqtadirun, Ghaffarun, Qahharun, Latifun. You know, Allah describes himself. And the reason Allah created us in the first place was so that he could be recognized. Otherwise, our creation and our actions do nothing for him. He is perfect as he was from before. We have not enhanced him and upgraded him in any way whatsoever. But he loves it when, he loves it when somebody recognizes him because that's why he created us. There's a guy in Hellfire, Muslim who had to be in hellfire for some sins he committed, he, he is just punished for something and after the end of that one punishment, he says, didn't Allah promise me X, Y, and Z? Allah immediately says, go get that guy out because he knows me. That's how powerful knowing Allah is. That, that's why Allah tells us to praise him. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Ar-Rahmanir Rahim. Multiple times a day. Allah just wants to be known. And the best way to know Him is through the Qur'an. They are His words. Unfortunately, we have, mashallah, people uh, fortunately who have completed multiple Qur'ans in their life. In Ramadan, four Qur'ans, five Qur'ans, ten Qur'ans. But they've never in their whole life understood what Allah is saying. So I'm going to ask another question. How many of us here Right? have read the Qur'an from beginning to end with meaning to understand what Allah is saying, at least once in their life, mashallah. One, two, three. I'm not talking about the scholars, I'm talking four, five, six. Six out of... Translation. Yeah, translation, whatever. Just, I want to know what my God is saying to me. 
I want to read that. I want to, I want to know what he's saying to me. Allah has sent every one of us an email or a message with the Quran. We just haven't bothered opening it. And it's really sad. On the hereafter, we're going to say, yeah, yeah, you know what? I did receive that email. I had it. I had access. I had it in my house. I just didn't bother opening, checking out. Uh, what happened recently is that it was uh, before the Israeli aggression started. I was invited to a conference in another country. So I half agreed. I said, yes, it's relating to muftis and iftas and things like that. So I, I should probably go. And uh, I said, but I'm going to tell you uh, within a week or so exactly which day I want to come. Sunday or Monday. Conference starts on Tuesday. So I might just go a day early. And then after that, this whole Israeli aggression started and I didn't feel like traveling or whatever. And then I was like, um, I need to tell them that I don't want to come. Now, usually they will be on your case that, hey, when, you know, you told us to give you a date, uh, to give us a date, when's your date? What they did was they, uh, so it's, th th uh, it's, uh, when is it? It's Friday now before the program. And I was just checking my junk folder and I see a message from them. Now, I thought I'll check it up later. So I took it out of my junk and put it into my inbox. And I say I was busy. So I said, I'll check it later. I thought it's just a forward, you know, because the conference is getting closer. They're going to give you timetables and things like that. They put you on a list. Then on, I hadn't checked it. Then on Sunday, I get another message from them about the schedule for the day. So I checked that and then I realized, you know what? Let me, let me just check the other email. And I check the other email that had come two days before. It was a business class ticket going, leaving the next morning on Monday morning at nine o'clock. And this is about seven, eight o'clock in the evening. I'm like, I'm not going, I'm not going. And they've bought the ticket and everything. It's a nice business class ticket, five-star hotel, da, 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 and so on. I'm like, you guys should have asked me, at least I told you I'm not gonna. So I finally got the guy on WhatsApp and I said, you know, I'm really uh, apologize. I've got something else that has come up and I, you know, I thought you guys would have confirmed with me. I was going to tell you, I forgot to tell you, but I thought you just booked my ticket. So he says, don't worry, don't worry. I'm doing that. Is it going to be like that in the hereafter? Here I could cancel it, no problem, no harm done, inshallah. But there it's a big harm because we, we've not benefited from the direct message of Allah. Even though we've read it so many times, we've never understood it. Please go, go get a Quran, a translation. At least once in our life, understand what Allah is telling us. Not to give fatwas and to become some big pseudo scholar, just to understand what Allah said. And it's amazing, you'll get hooked. Read a page a day, two pages a day. Just reflect. You will get hooked. You will truly understand the purpose of this life. You'll understand how to cut through all of the chaos and confusion that you get through all of the WhatsApp messages that you're getting because you'll understand Allah directly. Very important. And this is the downfall of the Muslims today. They don't know what their God is saying to them. We just randomly know through little bayans, you must heard something here, heard something on a Friday, heard something very difficult. This is a big issue with our Muslim community is that we've since maktab days, since we were young when we studied Islam from a book by a teacher, we've not picked up another book since then to learn about Islam or we've not, not listened to a proper series of lectures on a particular topic. We've listened to random things. Uh, Juma, you don't even know what the Imam is going to speak about in the next Juma. You understand? Don't you have this desire? I want to know what my Allah says. The Prophet ﷺ, have you read 40 of his hadiths on any subject? Let me go and find out what the Prophet ﷺ said on this. And believe me, you get hooked 
to the Prophet and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala once you start knowing more about them. You'll see his generosity and benevolence and kindness and everything. Okay, that's the first thing. Number two, very simple. The second way of knowing Allah or another way of knowing Allah is get a copy of the 99 names. You know the 99 names? They're just a package of names by the way. Allah has more names than that. There's some names in the Quran that are not part of the 99 name. They're just Allah, uh, Prophet ﷺ gave us a package to understand Allah through. Go through those, just read through them and then pick out a few that stand out for you relevant to your situation. Let's say you're going through some difficulty, some really complicated matter. You'll find a name there, Ya Latif. So write that down and start using it. When in your mind you say, Ya Latif, Ya Latif, Ya Latif, make this ultuf bina. Make this easy for us. Be compassionate with us. Treat us with your subtle kindness, etc. If you're dealing with some forgiveness issue, Ya Ghaffar, Ya Ghafoor, Ya Ghafir, relevant names. If you've got a, um, um, uh, for example, let's just say that you have had a fall and you've got a broken bone. There's a relevant name to that. Ya Jabir al-Azmil Kaseer. Ya Jabbar. O Menda. Jabir al-Azmil Kaseer. Oh, mender of the broken bone. There's names for everything. And you know what? Let me tell you something. I don't know too many of you here. What's your name? Daniel, that's your name. Now I can call you Daniel. You'll be like, okay, he calls me by, by your name. Alhamdulillah. Now you must have other qualities and uh, expertise in something. If I recognize those and then I call you out by those, would you not feel more validated? That he knows me beyond my name. Everybody knows me by my name, but man, this guy knows my qualities. He's validated me. You understand what I'm saying, right? You feel more validated. Allah wants to be known. He likes to be praised. If we start calling on to him, right, with multiple names, aren't we going to get better response from him? I'll give you examples. He is there to respond, by the way. Uh, I go to teach. Uh, it's a few miles away. And London traffic is crazy, so I go on a bike. And the worst thing on a bike is if you've got high winds, or if it's raining, it's really miserable to ride a bike in rain. So I get out and I think the clouds are there, so I pray to Allah, I say, Allahumma hawalayna wa la alayna. Oh Allah, around me and not upon me. Most of the time it, it doesn't rain, most of the time. With our, little, with our children, from the young age, when they come to you and say, hey, I'm hurting here, what we do straight away is we read something, a dua, right? Bismillahi la yaduru or Allahumma rabban nas adhibil ba's washfi and the shafi la shifa illa shifa uka shifa and the yadir sakaman. And we blow on them, and most of the time it gets better. Placebo effect, Godcebo effect, call it what you want. It gets better. I'll give you a, a recent. Uh, uh, if, you have, if I have a conflict with somebody or I have a little misunderstanding with somebody, immediately. Allahumma alif bayna qulubina. Allahumma aslih dhata baynina. And you know, most of the time it gets mended. Oh Allah, reconcile uh, between our hearts and reform this matter between us, reform it for us. Most of the time it gets cleared. I'll give you an example. Uh, some, uh, uh, about 2015, uh, 2016 or 17, we produced a really beautiful copy of Al Hizbul Adham, which is one of the most wonderful comprehensive books of du'as it was an illuminated edition just in Arabic and people started asking for a translation so I got a translation ready 
by 2021. The translation is fully ready, edited, ready to print, but uh, I'm obsessed with design, perfection. I have no perfection, but I'm obsessed with design. It has to be beautiful, right? I couldn't settle on a design, how it's going to look. So 2021, 2022, 2023, in the middle of this year, just after Ramadan, I said, enough is enough. The book is ready. It needs to go out to the public. But I can't settle on a design. I said, what name should I call Allah by? So, which name would you call Allah by if you want good design? MashaAllah. Jameel. Another one? Ya yeah, Hafiz, that's protector. That's not as relevant. What's relevant to design? Khubsurti ke that was the name I thought of straight away, Musawwir. Taswir, the one who fashions something, who, make, who makes a form of something. So I sat with my wife on the screen, looking for the right background and so on, because I wasn't able to be satisfied, making this dua with Allah's name. Within five minutes, we had a design. I'm not joking. We had five minutes, we had a design, and alhamdulillah, the book got published. Otherwise, for two years, it was sitting there. You understand what I'm saying? Allah is there to help. Call Him. Like for example, you're going to have a paracetamol. Right? You've got an ointment to put on. No problem. Do it. But say, Ya Shafi at the same time. O Cura. O Cura. I'll give you an example. I was, a few years ago, I was in a country for a conference. And we were waiting to have a meeting with somebody. It was myself. And I was really honored to be in the company of Mufti Taki Usmani and Maulana Mahmoud Madani who is the head of the Jamiatul Ulama of India so we have three of us there I had a severe stomach problem uh, I caught some stomach bugs so I was in pain in my stomach you know, you know when you have that indigestion or whatever it is so I'm there struggling around talking to them and suddenly Maulana Mahmoud Madani said that if Mufti Taki Usmani puts his hand on your stomach and makes a dua you will get better he said it as a joke. He said it as a, some banter, right? Mufti Taki said, where is he, you know? But it was a very casual kind of gathering, alhamdulillah. Mufti Taki said that he can do it himself. You know, he can put his own hand and you can read a dua, you'll get it. You can do it yourself. So then I decided to uh, join in the conversation. I said, yes, but the dua which is the fastest to be accepted is dua'u ghaibin li ghaib. Is a dua of an absent person for another person. So if you make dua for somebody who's not here, you're more likely going to be accepted for somebody if you make a dua in front of them. Right? Because it's more sincere. But he said, I'm not ghaib. I'm, I'm right in front of you. It was a bit of bound. Then Allah blessed him. He took his hand, he put it on my stomach. And he started reading for like two minutes. It wasn't Allahumma rabban nas adhibil ba'as washfi anda shafi la shifa ila shifa uka shifa and la yugadiru saqma. It wasn't, it was the other one. What is that? What's the other dua for removal of pain? I forget it right now. He sat there reading with his hand on my stomach and Alhamdulillah, about two, three hours later, I was sorted. Alhamdulillah. These things work. We just don't use them. They're not organically in our life. Now to, to wrap this up, I want to give you a few examples, right? You know this love of Allah, we need to develop it and our whole life for our children will become easy. How? The reason that we don't notice Allah is because we don't know enough about Him. We don't know that He is behind everything. 
Otherwise, if you start knowing Allah, you'll start knowing His qualities. You will become more beloved to Him and everything else will become less. There is no way that you can get rid of your addiction for different things that we know is unhealthy unless you replace it by the love of Allah. The simplest way to get rid of our, uh, our obsessions, addictions and so on is to replace it with the true love and attachment to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. All of these things will wane in your sight. If we can do this and expose our children to this, our job with our children will become easier. From a young age, and if we haven't done so, then start immediately. Start talking about Allah. Allah needs to be mentioned multiple times. For example, let's just say we're eating. We're eating, right? And it's good food. You can say, mashallah. I mean, you can say, oh, this is really good food. You made it as good as a restaurant or whatever. No. May Allah be thanked for this. May Allah be praised. Look what he gives us. Don't tell your kids that, um, thank Allah. You can. But it's easier if they just see us so grateful to Allah, they'll pick it up. If they see that anytime they have a pain, we call on to Allah, Ya Shafi, we make a dua, they'll start doing that themselves. Get our children connected to Allah in terms of why they pray. Why do you pray? Do you understand? You pray because you have to pray because your parents are the way to test our children to see what they pray for is when we're not there, do they still pray? Are they still concerned about their prayer even if they pray late? If they are, then they're doing it for Allah. Otherwise, they're doing it for us. Get that changed. Develop a love for that, for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then things will start moving and changing. For example, I'll give you uh, another example, right? There's a kid, he just is uh, 11, 12 years old. 11, 12. He has just started secondary school. And Dhuhr time, by the time he comes home, Dhuhr time is going to be finished. It's going to be Asr time in winter. So his mother tells him that you need to find a place in the school to pray your Dhuhr. He comes back home, second or third day, his mom says, did you pray? So he says, no, I didn't pray. Should you be happy or sad? So there's another question. Let's start with, who's, who is sad that he said that? That I did not pray. How many of you are sad? Okay, that's, majority of you are sad. Okay. How many of you are happy he said that? La hawla wa la illa billah. What's wrong with you guys? You're happy that he didn't pray? Okay, what about the rest of you? Are you happy, sad? What are you? The rest of you who didn't put their hand up. Are you happy, sad? What are you? Oh, they didn't understand. Shall I do it again? MashaAllah. I heard that and I was like, wow. Report you to prevent. Right? So it's so easy for the child to say, yeah, I prayed. I prayed. You know? Who's going to go and check? Why did he not say that though? Why did he say, I didn't pray? Then the mom asked him, okay, like, why didn't you? Oh, I couldn't find an empty classroom. So then the mom spoke to him and said, look, what you need to do is go, go, uh, go through and find a teacher who's sitting alone in the classroom and just go and nicely ask her, can I use your class? I don't need five minutes. I just need to do a prayer. Alhamdulillah, from the next day, he started praying. We have to make it convenient and easy and discuss these things with our children. You know, um, one of the most difficult things to do in school is to wash your foot in the sink. Both getting caught with your foot in the sink and how dirty they are sometimes. The rest of the wudu is easy. So, how much does a regular pair of socks cost? 
about two pounds, right? He, he's, he's a five pounds. He buys socks for five pounds, mashallah. You know, he buys Calvin Klein, you know, five pounds. So one or two pounds, you can get a pair of socks, right? How much do wudu socks cost? Yeah, 15 to 20 pounds. The cheapest I've seen is like 15, 16 pounds if you're lucky, right? They're about 20 pounds usually. All my children through their secondary school have had wudu socks. The investment is worth it. It makes it easier for them to pray because they can do wudu. We have to think on that level to make it easy for them. Do you see what I'm saying? It's very important for us to do that. Okay, I'll give you another example. Just some final examples. Uh, when I was an imam in America, I used to teach the older children and my wife used to teach the younger children in the community. It's up to the 10-year-olds. So we had two new students. They're Muslim. They're Muslim family, but they've never been to Maktab Madrasa before. One was uh, seven, the other one was eight, something like that. Seven and eight, two brothers, right, two brothers. My wife was discussing Allah that day. Allah is the greatest, he's the most powerful, nobody can do anything in front of him, he can, uh, he can control everything, he knows about everything. Suddenly one of those kids suddenly said, Power Rangers. He was listening to the description of Allah, the greatest, and in his mind, the greatest being was what? Power Rangers. What would you have said? Incredible Hulk? I'm just joking. Right? You understand? It's, these are psychological connections that are made through our culture that we live in. If Allah is not there for us. Okay, Contra contrast that. Compare that to another kid who's about three or four years old. Right? How old are you? MashaAllah. So imagine this. What's your name again? Ibrahim Bai. This little Ibrahim Bai, he goes to an ocean. Okay? He goes to an ocean and you see that huge amount of water and the waves just crashing at you. Awesome sight. Nobody asked him anything. He just said, Allah created this. He was moved to say, Allah created this. Why? Because Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar was the first words he heard. We're told to start off this world with Allahu Akbar and La ilaha illallah as our last words and to be reinforced in between. Nobody asked him. He just said Allah created it. He just thought in his little mind, who can create this? No man can create this. Only Allah must have created this. And the final example I'm going to give you is of a girl. She is about eight years old at the time. Her older brother, who is about 10 years old at that time, had to go to the opticians because he had some seeing uh, sight uh, issues. And they said he needs glasses. So she started making fun of him. You know, just like a little sisterly uh, banter you need glasses you need glasses you're going to get glasses so the mother said to the daughter don't make fun of him because you're probably going to need glasses as well because your dad has glasses your mom has glasses your older brother has glasses so you're it runs in the family genetic you're going to need glasses as well right and then nothing was said afterwards fast forward 10 years she is how old is she now after 10 years 18, 18, 19, whatever it is, right? She, she has younger siblings. They have glasses as well. Father, mother, older brothers, 
uh, older brother, younger ones, all have glasses. So should she have glasses as well? Yeah, but she doesn't have glasses. Why doesn't she have glasses? Now she reveals 10 years later, Mom, you know when you told me you're going to have glasses as well, I started praying to Allah that I don't want glasses. Amazing. Now that is somebody who's experienced Allah. You think you're going to have doubt after that? Do you know what I'm trying to say? You're not going to have doubt after that. Who told her to pray? And the mother should have actually said, you know, make dua that you don't get glasses. She, she just, she should have, but she didn't. But before that, she'd been brought up to, to ask Allah. Prophet stories had been read out to her. Sahaba stories had been read out to her in which they asked Allah and Allah answered. She got it from there that yes, I'm going to call unto Allah as well. In a little mind, I'm going to call unto Allah as well. Allah responded to her. Get our children connected to Allah and your job will become easier. The only way you can do that is if we become lovers of Allah. If we become knowledge about Allah. If we become aware of Allah. Only then can we then pass this on. Our children will see this. Otherwise we can't tell them you love Allah and we don't love Allah. Right? We can't do that. So the way to know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is by four things. I mentioned already the Quran. The 99 names. Number three and four, very simple. Number three, find a lover of Allah. Somebody with awareness of Allah, try to learn from them what it means to love Allah. Humans learn much more from copying somebody and seeing somebody than through words. If you find a lover of Allah, a buzurg, as they say, right, a righteous person, a wali of Allah, sit in their company, benefit from them, you'll learn love of Allah as well. And number four is have a dhikr, Regimen, which means have a number of adhkar that you do every day where you remember Allah and then that will help you to love Allah more. So you do like istighfar a hundred times, uh, salawat on the Prophet a hundred times a day, uh, la ilaha illallah a hundred times minimum. You know, like that, inshallah you'll get to learn. That will help you also love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us, make us walladheena amanu ashaddu hubban lillah. May Allah make us of these true believers who love Allah more than everything else, such that everything else becomes blinded, our addictions go away, our obsessions go away, our focus becomes Allah. Now that doesn't mean that you'll become a bad lover to those like your children, your parents, your brothers and sisters, and your spouse. Those who love Allah know what loves mean, and because you're told to love your spouse and your family members, you love them purely for the sake of Allah. So that love will also increase. You will know what it means to love. You'll truly understand the beauty of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us from obsession with everything else and uh, with his love. And jazakallah khair for our brothers from Keithley and everywhere else uh, that you're from, right? And uh, mashallah, jazakallah khair. If anybody has any question, if I've confused you or you just got something related, please go ahead and ask. In this day and age when there's so much confusion, yeah. What are the characteristics of a righteous person? Good question. The characteristic of a righteous person is when you see him and be with him, you rem he reminds you of Allah. You just think of Allah when you see him. Not that he's Allah, but he just reminds you of Allah based on what he says and what he does, right? Number one. Number two, there are people who play a good game sometimes. You have to be careful. So number two, they follow the Sharia 100% or as far as possible. You don't see them doing some major sins or weird opinions. Number three, other scholars consider them to be legitimate. That's a very important question. 
Let's just say somebody calls themselves Big Wali of Allah. There's a woman who called me once and wow, she was in a real confusion. She said that my husband is a Wali of Allah. I said, okay, alhamdulillah, mashallah. So I said, what's the issue? She said, uh, you know what it is, my family want me to separate from him. I said, why would they do that? I said, yeah, because we've gotten into drugs and pornography and all of this other. Hold on, hold on, what's going on here? I said, no, no, he's a wali of Allah, he's an amazing guy, but you know, we have gotten into all of this stuff. I said, he's not a wali of Allah. He might be a wali in making, but he's not a wali of Allah, so don't, don't. And then when I spoke to the family, I understood there was a big delusion that was going on, right? So you have to be careful. Not everybody can claims a wali of Allah genuinely see that other scholars and other good people will also consider that person to be decent. Yes. Jisab. So uh, the brother's question was that you're saying that we're suggesting that people should take a translation of the Quran and read it. He's saying that how do you get people close to the Quran first? Uh, that's exactly what I'm trying to do is that if you do listen to me and pick up the Quran, right? And start reading it, get a translation, start reading it, you will become closer to the Quran. I guess maybe your question is how do we get people to get a translation? Well, maybe I started it off today by telling you why it's so beneficial. Otherwise, Allah is going to question you in the hereafter. I sent you a message. It's a WhatsApp message, but it's not been read yet. Do you understand? That is a very powerful idea. Are you going to say that in the hereafter? Allah, I got your message, but I didn't read it. So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us closer to the Quran. Yes, brothers. If there's a question from the sister, they can send it. Yes. Particular translation. Can I recommend any particular time? There's a few good ones out there, right? It's whatever works for you. Um, one of them, Ahmed Zaki Hamad's got a decent translation. Professor Abdul Halim's, published by Oxford, is a decent translation. Mufti Taqi's one is, a half, is quite decent as well. Uh, the new edition that uh, Torah has published, Mufti Taqi's one. There's a few others as well, but those, um, somebody just got Mufti, he liked it. It, it benefited him. That's a, he has some notes as well, right, to help you along. Yes, brothers, anybody else? Otherwise, uh, I don't know what's next on the agenda, but food. there's food on the agenda. Okay. Yes, you have a, Ibrahim, you have a question? MashaAllah, he listened all the way through. Amazing. I didn't, he didn't fall asleep. Alhamdulillah. Anyway, Jazakallah khair, my dear brothers and sisters. Uh, inshallah, we'll see you guys again. Allah bless the people of this masjid. for your forgiveness, for your benevolence, for your kindness, for your generosity. O oh Allah, for your love, for your love. O oh Allah, we ask that you forgive us all of our wrongdoings, especially those that we have forgotten, those that have brought darknesses in our life, those that have turned people against one another, those that have removed the protection from punishments. O oh Allah, those that have now become part of our life and no longer do we consider them sins anymore. O oh Allah, grant us beneficial knowledge. O oh Allah, grant us your awareness. Allow us closeness to the Quran. Allow us to read your book, to understand your direct message to all of us. 
O oh Allah, allow us to understand you by your multiple names and your characteristics. O oh Allah, make us people who have understood our good points that you have given us and been able to use them for the right purposes. Allow us to become of those who have understood their weaknesses and been able to control them. O oh Allah, remove the oppression from our Muslim brothers and sisters around the world. O oh Allah, remove the subjugation, remove the carnage and the destruction and the genocide of Allah and grant them relief, grant, grant them their freedom, grant them their dignity, grant them their honor, grant them a delivery from all of these problems. And of Allah, of Allah, we ask that you allow us to be productive individuals. You allow us to be those who do that which is correct in this world and to be focused on you with your love and to recognize your characteristics everywhere that we go. Oh Allah, bless our children and protect our children and our progenies until the day of judgment. Keep the tawheed and your love in their hearts. And oh Allah, allow us to stand proud on the day of judgment and to uh, to, to, to be a proud member of the messenger uh, of, of the ummah of your messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and make the best moment the moment that we stand in front of you subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifun wa salamun ala al-mursalin alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen may Allah bless all of those who've contributed to this program who've attended this program and of Allah who've, uh, who've, uh, who've who are trying their hardest to do the da'wah in this area and all the other areas of this masjid, all the others and the imams and the people and the committee. And oh Allah, keep us aright and grant us sincerity and ikhlas. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifun wa salamun al-mursaleen walhamdulillahi The point of a lecture is to encourage people to act, to get further, an inspiration, an encouragement, persuasion. The next step is to actually start learning seriously to read books, to take on a subject of Islam and to understand all the subjects of Islam, at least at their basic level, so that we can become more aware of what our deen wants from us. Uh, and that's why we started uh, Rayyan courses, so that uh, you can actually take organized lectures uh, on demand whenever you have free time, especially, for example, the Islamic Essentials uh, course that we have on there, the Islamic Essentials Certificate, which you take 20 short modules and at the end of that, inshallah, you will have gotten the, the basics of uh, most of the most important topics in Islam and you'll feel a lot more confident. You don't have to leave lectures behind. You can continue to, leave, uh, you know, to listen to lectures, but you need to have this more sustained study as well. Jazakallah khairan. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.